Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 749. If you're in Los Angeles on October 24th, uh, fun, comfortable tour, doing stand-up at the uh, Regent Ballroom downtown, downtown Los Angeles. A place that uh, not a lot of people, well, people do go downtown. Do you ever go downtown? I do. I like downtown. You do? Yeah. What There's some f- good bars down there, like Bar 107. Is that still there, though? I, I don't been know. Forever. I don't drink. How would no, I know I if Bar 107 like is still bar. there? I know there's like some weird shit happening. Unfortunately, there's no tool that we have to ever find out <laughs> if that bar is still open. I like how I was like, yeah, I like downtown. Is that bar still there? Go to funcomfortabletour.com. But there is, there are sports things that happen downtown. And yes, you, I go you to Clippers enjoy games. sports things. I Clippers do. play at the... At the Staples at Center. At Staples. Mm-hmm. At the Staples. They play at they the Staples, play at Staples in the aisles. Yeah. Is yeah, that one of those... Those are they're pretty hefty stores. You know, they're really wide Just move wide the office aisles, furniture out yeah. of the way. They can set the hoops up they there. They just make the hoops out of paper clips. Yeah. And they just knock the file the folders out of the way. Balls. And that... It works. The little picture of the guy that looks like Clippy... <laughs> and, uh, oh, Clippy for the Clippers! Exactly, that's Clippy what it the is. Clippers. Well, didn't didn't Steve Ballmer buy the Clippers? Yeah. So then it should be. So a Clippy should be. I can't be the first person who arrived at that conclusion. That had I've to never have heard that actually. That had to have existed before me. I'm sure uh-huh. it did. Clippy being the the Clippers being the mascot for the Clippers. Dude, How can I be of help this, for this have... basketball team? I um, love to think if they're losing. It just shows up like, I see you're trying to win this basketball game. Why don't you wrap your metal prong around the ankles of the opposing team and be of service in some way, Clippy? <laughs> That's your real name. What do you got on the Nerdist Community Corkboard? This one is from the Arcade Comedy Theater in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And the arcade is roasting the man of your dreams, Freddy Krueger, featuring an all-star lineup of horror icons including Norman Bates, Mrs. Voorhees, Chucky, Hannibal Lecter, and more. Uh, and you can find more. Actually, they don't have a website, but you can find it out. It's called the Arcade Comedy Theater. It's on Liberty Avenue in Pittsburgh, and it's on Friday, October 30th at 8 p.m. And it's only $10. I like that you discovered that as you were reading it. You can find them on the, well, there's no website. I, thought there, I, I scrolled down, and I was like, oh, they didn't put a website. Use your Google yeah. Foo and just Google it. Yeah. And you can find out more info. Uh, this episode is Kirsten Dunst, who was wonderful. She's promoting season two of Fargo, uh, which is an amazing show. Oh with and the, the cast this year is, I mean, you know, how do you follow up the first season of an amazing show with an entirely different cast, and then I know. and somehow 
be able to maintain, if not top, the level of quality. I'm so excited because that first season was one of the best things I've ever watched. It's and this, Mondays. This, I love this season. Mondays at 10 on FX. And uh, so watch, watch Fargo. Here's the Nerds Podcast number 749 with Kirsten Dunst. Now entering Nerdist.com. There's not really an official start. This is just sort of the... It's already happening. It's happening right now. Great. We're in it. We're in it. We're the only people conversating. (laughs) (laughs) It's just us. It's just us. Do you... Have you done a lot of long-form interview stuff? Um, no. I don't think I have. Not on... Not like recorded. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to do Howard Stern, but I haven't done that yet. I feel like you could easily do Howard Stern if you wanted to. I I could. It's just... You got to be careful. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. You really do. Because I'm someone who he, I know he could make me very comfortable and then I would say things I'd, I would regret later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You're not worried that. I don't have good filters, so. No, you don't need them. Yeah. I mean, you don't need them here. No. But they're. <laughs> but I feel like. That's funny. I didn't expect that that would be the reason that you'd be nervous about going on. I thought it would be that he would hit you with stuff. You'd be like, oh, I don't want to talk about that, you know? No, I'd probably overshare or something or like <laughs> – because when you're comfortable with somebody, then you want to talk about things. And with him, I just – you know, things can get – it's not his show. If it were, if we didn't live in like this media, right? like pick apart everything you say, it wouldn't matter. But right. we don't. So that it's it, it, it's a disservice to everybody at the end of the day, you know, because it's not – Well, that's why I think long form is so good is because it's not soundbitey. Mm-hmm. And so there's no – you know, like, there's not going to be anything where someone's going to pick apart something that you say and just focus on that and just put that out in the world. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> Are you kidding I mean, me, Chris? Us, I mean, we're not Yeah, gonna, not, not you guys. But, but yeah, other people can always. Well, it's, it's also because you don't do a lot of this stuff and because you don't really... I mean, there was a period... I don't know if you remember this, but there was a period you and I were on the same talk show circuit... And and we did Fallon and Conan on the exact same episodes within we like did? two weeks of each other. Really? Like four years ago on the same episode. And the, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I did. We did. We did Fallon when he was doing his other before he took over the Tonight Show. Right. And then two weeks later, we were both on Conan at the same time, oh. just by sheer coincidence. That's so funny. And uh, so, but normally you don't really do a lot of that stuff. Me? Uh, you mean talk shows and stuff? Yeah. I just haven't had much to promote. <laughs> I mean, the last thing I promoted was this little indie called Two Faces of January, and I think I went on Conan for it. But I I did a movie. It's just not coming out till next year, and it was supposed to come out the year – like last year, and now it got pushed again. It was going to come out this year, and now it's coming out next year. So I have been working. I just – I did take a year off, though. Well, I think the oversharing thing is interesting because – in. Because you're not really on social media a lot. I have Twitter, but I just use it for work stuff, mostly. Yeah, just for work stuff. Yeah. But as a human being, you have an innate need to be understood. And so when – if someone writes something or you see something, do you fight the urge to be like, I need to go talk about this publicly so people understand me? I've thought that, but then I think it's best not to say anything because then it 
it kind of keeps feeding it anyway. And so it's better to just keep your mouth shut. That's right. what, yeah, that's what I always do. But I haven't been put in such an extreme situation where I really felt the need to defend myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just been like, oh, okay, whatever there. Do you ever get used to it? I mean, you've been doing it your whole life pretty much. Do you ever, do you ever get used to that stuff or no? Um, you, you know how to take it in a way where it doesn't affect you in like a, like affect your day or affect like, you know, your insecurities or whatever it like it doesn't really matter like i've come to a point in my life where i i can live a very private life and people write negative things it it happens to everybody you know what i mean i i even talk about other people you know what i mean it's not like i'm sitting around being like everyone's great so it's just the way you know people are allowed to have their opinions about i think what the kardashians doing is really positive for our culture and i think fame at all costs is good i think that's a good role model for young people to do anything to be famous oh my god yeah it's such a strange it's such a strange time and Having been in the business before there was social media, before there was any of that stuff, and it was really just a handful of gossip magazines, I mean, you've seen it explode since you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think the do you think the ubiquity of information is a good thing? We should all have all the information in the world, or like maybe not? Huh? I mean, it's. It's good and it's bad. It's like, I I mean, I was writing a script. I'm writing a screenplay with my girlfriend right now. And like, we always joke, like, brought to you by Google. Because it, <laughs> it happens in the 1950s. We're like, wait, did they have mustard that you could squirt out? Let's Google it. Like, so in a way, it's really helped. Yeah. And then in the other way, I'm, I mean, in the media way, I'm, I think I was lucky that I didn't grow up, you know, with the paparazzi bothering me because I look at someone like Elle Fanning who I know, I'm like, oh my God, she's still in high school. Leave the girl alone. You know, it's just creepy. At a certain point, it's like a man is chasing a, a 17-year-old girl, which is, that's just weird. Right. Well, also, because you're the most emotionally vulnerable when you're in your teens because you're developing your identity and your your body's changing and you, you certainly don't need people commenting on, I mean, it's like, that to me seems the absolute worst this seems like the worst time to be a teenager. Yeah, no, I agree. Just like I couldn't imagine being in high school right now and having Instagram and everybody and like all of that pressure and it it's already hard enough high school like to have, you know, every everybody judging you and all this social media is just I I that would be scary for me as a kid too. You don't even need to be famous really no, you for don't. that. It's just like everyone's Not. everyone's kind of famous cuz everyone's got social media. It's true. Yeah, and did you go to a regular? Did you go to re- you went to yeah, Notre Dame? Right? I did, yeah, in Sherman Oaks. Ah, because I went to Loyola for a oh, year, you did? Uh, which is the, another the Catholic high school experience. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. I went to Laurel Hall before that. I started sixth grade in the Valley from New Jersey, so I've always gone to normal schools. Though that was a good thing that my my parents did for me because I always had a seat at the lunch table and my best friends, and I feel like I had a very normal childhood considering what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially in Los Angeles, because I think people are just used to, oh, yeah, I you know she's on stuff and that guy's on stuff. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But in the Valley, too, growing up in the Valley, it's so different. I still live in the Valley. It's just such a different mentality. I don't know. I just, it's so much more mellow. There's parking. <laughs> like, <laughs> I live with a bunch of, like, people and their families. You know what I mean? I live with a bunch of old people. I mean, I just, I feel more comfortable there. But I think that when you're in the scene of LA, that's when you really start to, like, lose your mind I think a little bit because 
you know, I also have my fa- my family lives in Los Angeles too, so it's not like I have no roots. You know what sure. I mean? So I I I I, l- I lucked out. I think I love. The, I think I've, I love the valley at Halloween because there are so many neighborhoods in the valley that are relatively uncharacteristic of the rest of Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. No, I live in one of them. It's Toluca Lake, where I live, is like one of the biggest Halloween places in the United States, like ranked to go trick-or-treating. So you do not shut your door. Like this year, I'm going dark and not, and not <laughs> opening to the public, but... I just you just sit there. You don't even like you buy hundreds and hundreds of dollars of candy. You just sit there and pass out all night. You don't even shut your door. So it's kind of exhausting. It's not even fun at a certain point. I just imagine the absolute joy in some eleven year old boy's eyes when he is dressed as Spider Man and you open the door. Yeah, but I'm also dressed up, so nobody recognizes <laughs> me either. What's your favorite? What's your favorite uh, costume? I hmm. I mean, I I I've done some good ones. I've I've been slacking a little bit recently. I feel like, but the best one I did was the Night Porter, which was this Charlotte Rampling movie where I did wear a bodysuit, but she was kind of like, she was naked and she had just suspenders on with like this, like military hat, and it was just and leather gloves. It was a it was a cool costume, but 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 it was like a it's a very underground weird cult film, but. That was a good costume. I'm thrilled to know that you embrace Halloween. <laughs> Have you been to Halloween Horror Nights yet? I did once, and it was so terrifying because I think some of the people recognized me, and so they went after me harder than anyone else. So they, oh. like, I I went to you know a little whatever a little restaurant to eat and or to chill out for a minute because I've been screaming so much with my friends, <laughs> and they'd come up to the back of my chair and just hold the fake chainsaw against it until I got. It. I was just like, where is their piece? <laughs> like, I, I was exhausted by the end of it. I was so tired. I'd scream so much. And I just, the bathroom is the only safe place. That <laughs> I, when I went into the bathroom, I waited for a stall because I'm like, I don't want some guy in a weird hockey mask running in while I'm at the wall urinal. And I have to be like, okay, oh, you God, got me. That's terrible. Because no, I never no, no. know. I never know. You know, I always feel like for them, you want to acknowledge the performers. They're like, oh, you got me. You're doing yeah, your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus like, Okay, okay, come on. Yeah, yeah I get it. Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. I got there. it, I got it. Stop chasing me now. Yeah. Like, this isn't fun anymore. But so. it was really fun. I went with a group of six people, and, and it was really fun this year. Really? If, you know, if you I, get a I did that with a big group, too. It's just like, our crew is so dramatic and sensitive. <laughs> I, feel like, I don't know. I just remember when my one friend crying. I was like, oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, that's, uh, it, you know, if you go in costume... Yeah, that will help. I think that, that would. I think that would probably help. Do you go in costume? No, you know, know. Does anybody people do? Some people. No, I don't know. If I don't think does. you're. Maybe you're not allowed to. Because you can. Because you could. You can mess with people and like. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Actually, that's part of the reason that freaked me out a little bit about it too. Because I was thinking to myself, anyone could come in here, put on a mask, and really mess with people in a, like a dark way. So. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Ah, damn it! I know. All right. Well, yeah. so much for that. Yeah, no well, more. that's how people. That's how people. That's how some famous people get through Comic Con. Is like they'll just put on the costume. Yes. And, but I get it, and they're very protective, rightfully so. One of the performers, we're going. There's a whole section that's the purge. Uh-huh. So you get out, and then it's like, oh, there's anarchy, you know, because the purge is happening. Uh-huh. And someone ran up to one of my friends and got in their face, and he just sort of stood his ground a little bit, and the security guard came in and be like, hey. 
you got don't mess with the performers. Like he wasn't messing with them. He was just. <laughs> but know. it's hard. I mean, if someone scared me that, I would hit them. Obviously, <laughs> like you know, it's just your natural reaction as a person. They are swinging foam weapons an inch from your face, and so and, you could get hit in the face. Yeah. Ultimately, but yeah. But it's really fun. It's really the the, the mazes are great this year. Uh, yeah, I'm not going back. No, thank you. <laughs> you know, you, should, you, know you, should, you should buy Bob Hope's house in Toluca Lake's been for sale forever. Oh, I know it was twenty five million dollars. What? And, but now they knocked it down to twelve, which I can't afford so but but otherwise i would i would love that toluca lake estate right there and then there's a little there's like a one whole golf course on it and stuff like oh that. sure yeah yeah but 12 million damn i mean someone really has to love the valley to spend 12 million on or bob house. hope like, yeah yeah or at least just want that that section of because I, I saw i was curious so i looked at the pictures inside the house i'm like yeah really seem like a 12 million dollar house no like it needs regular... to be totally updated that house. <laughs> i love that we're talking about houses and you if you're an avid golfer they have the golf club right there too so basically an avid golfer well my, my fans and i just bought a house and oh, so yeah? I, we've been in the mode of just looking at stuff and seeing what people are seeing what people are doing and you know i love looking at houses so oh, it's so much fun yeah. where did you guys buy or you don't want to probably say or... uh just in the in the los feliz area yeah yeah los feliz hollywood i'd already I've already been there for years, and it's just I like it because it's central. It's there's views of the city, but it's it's close to the valley. It's close to Hollywood. It's close, and you, and you yeah. also don't feel like when you get up into the hills, it's very peaceful. But yes. you're two minutes away from everything. Yeah, yeah no, so. I, I feel you. I like Las Vegas. I, I like that area. Is mm-hmm. it? But the, the but Toluca Lake, it feels so. It's such. It's got such a good vibe to it. Yeah, I relax immediately when I drive into Toluca Lake. I don't know what it is, and like. And it feels kind of East Coasty too. It used to be the undiscovered secret. Toluca Lake was like you can buy a house in Toluca Lake for not a lot of money, and I then know. the secret got no. out, and now it's you it's know. still not bad though. Oh, it's really? Not bad at all? No, it's not. And like people can live a very low key lifestyle there. It's you got that not. snazzy Bob's right there, and then Bob's they closed Moe's, which was a great restaurant. I never went to Moe's. Oh, it was so good. Oh, and now they have Foreman's, which is uh, Laurel Tavern, but on Riverside, which is really nice. It's like a burger joint. We're getting better and better places. We have a good sushi place. We need like one really great restaurant, though. We don't have that. No, no. You know, you need to fancy, yummy one. I'll tell you you what you have to do. You have to you have to let Toluca Lake become an economically depressed area, so that food hipsters come in and try to revitalize it with weird, like a weird grilled cheese snack bar. That's slowly happening. (laughs) It is. No, it's like they people aren't people aren't as dismissive of of the valley as much anymore. I don't think. No, as they used to be. No, it yeah. it really because if you the valley, I think a lot of people think of the valley as just Ventura Boulevard. Yeah, which is a I which mean is, Tom Petty. I would <laughs> too. I'd just be like, yep. Because <laughs> by and large, Ventura Boulevard is a very ugly street, just in terms of the how fast all the buildings went up. Yeah, and it it developed, it grew very quickly, and so everything just feels like ah, nineteen seventy seven. Don't don't update that. And yeah, then, but but other parts of Valley are very nice. I think as I grew up there, partly it's cozy to me. Sure, yeah. But if I didn't grow up there, I might be like, "This is really ugly." Maybe there's that too. one stretch. There's that one stretch where it's like Chin Chin, and then Nate Nals. Oh yeah, then, I, I avoid the, that little and stretch. Then the, the porno place that's oh, been there forever. God. 
I've heard. How is it still in business? You know what? My girlfriend and I I don't know that it is. I didn't say that it was. (laughs) I was just guessing. There's a place called Second Spin where you can buy CDs. Oh, yeah. Second Spin's great. But how is that still? And they have a big spot there, too. I'm like, how is that still open? Because I think some people really like the idea of having physical things in their hands. I I almost think there's probably a bigger market for... uh, I think there's more for, for like aftermarket music... Than a, than a music store because people like to go in and buy albums and CDs and there's there's a cassette movement now too which is completely baffling to me yeah I don't know I doesn't... think my friend's car still has a cassette I sold her my old Prius and it still has a cassette <laughs> <laughs> what were the cassettes in your car what do you what what, what do, you, do you like books on tape or what, what to what be music? honest the cassettes from my car were just the cassettes so you could hook your iPod to oh, the sure, speaker sure, sure. so that's the only cassette I ever used in there yeah yeah uh, and what are you listening to on your iPod I, what do I listen to? I'm like, what do I listen to? You know what? Of new stuff, I like The Weeknd. I like, I like Rihanna. <laughs> I like, <laughs> That's okay. I just like fun music now. Yeah. Or like sad. I like, you know, I, I kind of became that person that was so into music and knew every indie band and now I don't know them at all. It's very hard to keep up. It takes a tremendous amount of energy. It does. And like, I don't know, I just rather put on like, Guns and Roses or something. <laughs> I don't know. I just like I listen to K Day and I listen to uh the I think it's um it's whatever it's a college community radio station that's really good and that's where I like listen to the young people's music. But <laughs> I sound like so old. I'm only thirty three, but these kids you know, I'll Shazam artists, but then I'll never actually buy them. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or or I will I will buy from Shazam and then never listen to the Never. I, I discovered like eighty songs. On my iPhone that I'd forgotten about when I was transferring oh. over to my new computer. And it just said, oh, you have purchases on here. I do. It was like 80 songs. Like, oh, my God. I bought all of these. I have no memory of them whatsoever. <laughs> I know. My purchases are like, you spent 99 cents getting more lives on, on like, <laughs> Farm Heroes. And that's really depressing. I've quit that now. But I, there was a time where I got emailed about three times about the few dollars I had spent on a bad, you know, bad game so the script that you're working on yes how do you motivate yourself to work um well i have a friend so that helps to have a be accountable that that really yes exactly and we had a deadline recently so that helped as well but we would just it's a kind of thing where like we could keep rearranging and making better and there's so much freedom within it's based on a book but it's it's really could Make it any way you you can. I mean, I don't sound, sound intelligent at all. It does. It does. Wait, wait, what it is is like it's 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 a kind of book that that's so. It's it's just could be so didactic and bad, or you could really make a life of something. So you really have to make your own scenes up, and it it's it's very hard. It constantly gets better, so we can stay up to like four a.m. every day while I was doing press. Then I have to go do press. Then you know she'd be writing and fixing things. Then I'd come home. And, like, then I'd have to go do a TV show again. But I was up to, like, 5 a.m. every day doing press for Fargo, which was not the best for me <laughs> mentally. But I had to do it, you know? Yeah. And and still finding time and energy to work on the book. What's the book? I can't talk oh, about it. Oh, you can't it talk yet. about it. I know. It's like, I, yeah, soon, maybe. Yeah. We're, it's early stages. But, it's a, yeah, it's a book that most women have read. And is this a process that you enjoy? I want I want to I'm directing it so I enjoy it just because like I get to write exactly what I want to see so and I, I think that 
the way I'm approaching it is very funny. So it, it's going to be a dark comedy and it's – I already have my actress and everything like that. But it's – yeah, I, I've wanted to direct for a long time. So Particularly – like what is it specifically that – because to me, I've always, I say this all the time. Directing sounds like – such a nightmarishly oh it's a war yeah <laughs> it is no it told it is a war like but i so i want i don't i'm so you know as an actress you pour your heart out and then it's taken over by everyone else and with this you know i can really and i also don't have to get into hair and makeup either but you know i can show up to work look like a slob and just focus on what i want to see rather than having all this creating a character and then having it just taken into somebody else's hands completely so it's just seeing the whole process through is what excites me i mean being an actor and and particularly being an actress there's so much unfortunately there's so much that people focus on that have nothing to do with your actual perform with your actual work yeah that it it really it seems like you really just need to enjoy the process more than anything else. You do, and I do. Like, that's the best part of what I do. And then if it do, does well, that's just, like, amazing. You couldn't ask for Like, with Fargo, the fact that we, you know, the first season was so great and now this season is being heralded is just, like, it It could – we couldn't have hoped oh, you're for more. You know, you and Ted Danson and Patrick Wilson and Gene Smart, I mean, it's it's – a, an incredible cast. It's such a good cast. And Noah was so good at p- picking people that were like not only so perfect for the role but also really good people. You know what I mean? Everyone's really nice and I know we all hung out. I hung out the most with Jesse Plemons who plays my husband in it who is in Friday Night Lights. And, and Breaking well, Bad, yeah. Yeah, and Breaking Bad and Black Mass now. Um, so I, it was a very hard process, but the but the fact that everyone was like a good person and kind, like no one was a diva, no one had issues or anything. Everyone just like did their work and wanted to do the best they could because no one wanted to be the person on the show that, you know, wasn't wasn't up to par with all the rest. So I think it made all of us having having coming from a, a season that did so well to like do even better or yeah. try at least. Did you like? Was it fun to do television again? I, mean, I assume it probably just feels like doing a long movie. It does. It's hard. It's harder work because, like, especially with my character, I'd have six. I had like one day where I had six pages of dialogue. It's just me talking, and like we're working till two in the morning. So the schedule, and and you don't get as many takes either. So the schedule, you have to be on it more so than a film because there's eleven pages to get through in the day, and with films, there's like five. Yeah, were you? Uh... Were you emotionally prepared? Because listen, the 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 pervasiveness of nerd culture, mm-hmm. which is basically just pop culture now, yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of that happened because of X Men and Spider Man. Were you remotely prepared for how much of a thing that movie became when? You made it. Or do you not think in those terms? I thought, listen, the auditioning process was rigorous. Like there was definitely – like I met with Sam almost a year before I even auditioned for it. So I knew that this was going to be something special with him directing. And Toby at the time was a heralded indie actor. You know what I mean? So every all the pieces were coming together as a really interesting independent film but on this huge scale of Spider-Man. So to me it was so – I wanted to be a part of it because I knew that it – it felt like it could be a, a really good quality film on top of the fact of being really successful, hopefully. So for me, I wanted to be a part of it so badly. And yeah, I mean, 
I I mean, it's Spider-Man, so you already have a huge audience, and... Doesn't mean it's going to be good, though. Doesn't and, mean it's going to be good. And it was. Yeah, and I think that's because we had Sam Raimi directing it. You know what I mean? You can't just throw any director at, that has a successful indie into making a huge movie. Like, Sam has a legacy. You know what I mean? It's not like... I don't know. I think that sometimes studios want control, and so they have directors that not are not necessarily qualified maybe or it's just it's hard to keep telling these stories over and over again too it's not like you know to the fact that they already rebooted spider-man was just so quick and like i don't know i think it's unnecessary but i don't know it was I'm that, sure they made a ton of money but it was, like, a, it was a rights issue it was it was the issue of sony needing to retain the rights they had to make a film or they had to give the, give up the rights. So it really just boiled down to like a legal thing of like, oh my God, but, seriously? But we were going to make a fourth film before they ended up doing that. Oh, I... Yeah. That got like, yeah, stopped basically. So then they decided to reboot it. Do you want to go make it now? We can just go make it now. <laughs> Let's go make it happen now. I mean, when you're working... Sam, who's been on the podcast and is a lovely guy. Yeah. I mean, when, when you work with... I'm curious to know that now that you're taking on directing... Are there things that you specifically learned from directors that you've worked with that you absorbed kind of observing them? So for Sam, what is there anything that you picked up? Um, I mean, Sam, Sam, for such a large set, kept an impressive amount of, of intimacy with his actors and things because we did have three units at sometimes going on at the same time. And like... I never felt – of course, there were those days where you're just sitting around for hours and you end up doing nothing. And, like, you know, we have those days where it's all special effects stuff and stunt stuff. But when it came down to the scenes, he – it was always felt very important. You know, like, oh, okay, we got to get through this to get to the, you know, action yeah. scene that comes next. And, like, he created a very – because we did three films together, it was – it felt like like coming back to a great family every time. Which was nice. But for most of the directors I've noticed that I like working with, they create an intimacy on set. Like it's quiet. No one's yelling action. No one's screaming. Like the first AD, everyone is in the same kind of tone where it feels safe for the actors and it's calm. And I like that the best. I mean for me as a director, I would trust my actors 100%. I'm not somebody who needs to talk things to death. Like I feel like you hire – you. You know, that's your job as a director to, like, hire the best person for the job. And I don't think – I think, like, trusting your actors is the best thing. And your gut immediately in in whatever you're doing. And and it's just who you build around to to support you, I think. And and your taste, basically. And that's all – then you hope – then, you know, you hope that it turns into something great. But it – you know, from writing it, then it's going to change again. From making it, from – and then it'll change again. So it's just – you have to be able to adapt with that, I think. And I've spent my whole life adapting. So it's, you know what I mean? I think it will be something that that I'll be able to make, you know, quick decisions on under stressful situations and I won't really be freaked out, you know? Yeah. But so when you say you spent your whole life adapting, what are you what are you referring to? Like, I mean, I've always had to, you know, come in and out of school, live in different countries and, you know, it's just different personalities, different directors, different actors you're working with. You're constantly having to like kind of – because I'm not somebody who wants to make a scene. Like I'm someone who wants to be left alone. You know, like even on set, I never have assistance or anything. I just – the more people that surround you, the the harder it makes to do your job, I feel sure. like. So for me, I've just – I you know, I think 
when you're young and, you know, you're having your schoolwork and now you live in Vancouver and then, you know, you have to go home and, and pick up again. Like there was no blip, but like I've always had to, I think that, that my brother did too, because he traveled with us too. So it made him like way more worldly and he is better with people for it, but it's definitely like not, you know, a, a normal childhood in that sense. And did you ever want that or did you like it? I I liked it because I didn't love school. Like I was happy to leave. You know what I mean? I had my I had like two month minimum, and I'm like I'm ready to work again. Yeah. Um, just because I it was so boring to me. <laughs> I don't know. School was just like I was, and I think I was stressed a little bit because I never wanted to be singled out as the actor in school. Sure. So I was always really nice to everyone because I mean that's who I am. But I never wanted to be singled out as like, you know, you're a bitch because you act. You know what I mean? Right. Or anything like that. And I did have my good girls crew like if anyone said anything they, they'd have my back um but what were you talking about then now i lost my we were talking about thought. having a normal childhood oh yeah okay so but i so yes i'm happy i got to leave school um i do think it would have been fun to like be in drama I, I was in the drama class but like to be in a school play or a musical i would have liked that and i did miss i went to most of the important things and school dances and things but you know there were the occasional thing that i missed that like i wish i would have gone to but as a whole i had a pretty good you know i got to go to the fun stuff you know maybe you, you know- i miss like the night at disneyland after you know like the oh, senior yeah. like i miss a few of those things that bum me out I feel like you could go back and do all those things. You, you could just get your friends together and be like, seniors. And, and if you wanted to, I bet you could do a school play. You could just walk into a school in the valley and go, hey, I'm Kirsten Dunst. I want to be in your school play. And that would be such a punk rock move. Oh, my God. Just be like, oh, I was just in, a, I was just in our town at, you know, <laughs> Coldwater. Yeah. Just for the fuck <laughs> Coldwater Middle School. Yeah, yeah why whatever. Not? Why yeah. not? Why not? Like, it, hey, it, and that would be very James Franco of me. <laughs> or, 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 you know, Will Ferrell. Like, the, the, these yeah. are guys that just, like, they just do whatever they, they want. They want. That's yeah. true. That's true. I mean, it doesn't, if it sounds fun to you, just do it. And yeah, if no right. one understands or likes it, who fucking cares? Yeah. You know, like, it really. That's funny. I think that's the best. <laughs> I think that's the ultimate measure of a person of, of like what success is. Are you doing exactly what you want to be doing, and do you not have to do anything that you don't want to do? You're right. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Good thing I don't feel like I'm doing anything I don't want to do. <laughs> it's true. I don't. But yeah, yeah, yeah. If I really want to do a high school play, I could. You're right. Maybe I'd direct one. Maybe if I had kids one day. I don't know. It'd be kind of awkward to like be with teenagers and a play. I mean, it could, unless yeah. it's like a middle school. Yeah. You know? I yeah. don't know. Because yeah. I think kids start to get very aware by the time they're in high school. But middle school kids, I feel like they would just treat you like... Normal. You just you, you might as well be one of the teachers. Yeah, you know? you're right. You're so right. So it could be more... You're right. Fun that way. Yeah, maybe I'll be a, a drama school teacher. Or you could just go super weird with it and be like, uh, I played a tree in a <laughs> third grade production of... Why does the sun shine or yeah. something yeah. silly like Into that? Into the woods. I was, yeah. So, yeah. Do you think, do you, do you see yourself uh, with kids at some point? I definitely want that, yeah. I mean, in the next like three years or something. Yeah? Yeah. I want to get directing under my belt first, but I mean, I have a one-year-old girl. Go- she turned one on Sunday and like, I can't help but, lo- I mean, I love her so much and I just you know, obviously it inspires you when you, you're around a baby that you love so much. So yeah, of course I'd like to have kids. Oh, that's good. Do you have any kids? No, me? I don't no. have any kids. But uh, like I said, I just got engaged a month ago. Yeah. And I never thought I wanted kids. 
just because I... Uh, I feel like, like they help you die, though. It's, like, worth all the shit, because <laughs> when you're old and you have nobody... They help you die. It's true. That If there was, an, if there was a commercial for the concept of kids... <laughs> yeah. Kids, they, they help, help you, you die. die. Oh, I better sign up for that. <laughs> well, I just... Um, I like to... I like things to be very controlled. Yeah. And... Um, and, and with kids, you can't. You can't because you can't control. You just have to roll with shit. Yeah, you do. And that was that's very scary to me. But it gets easier though. And you, you'll have a babysitter help you. It's not like you know. I know, I know. And my, and my fiance is rad, and and I think yeah. she and I know she wants kids, and so I actually I've started to be like, oh, you know, I could. I've had started having dreams where I just have a baby, and it's not my baby, but it's my baby. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no. And I I'm get like, it. oh, this is a, this is a baby, and yeah. it's kind of rad. But I, uh, I don't know. I, I feel more comfortable with myself now than I did before. How, how do you feel? Totally comfortable with yourself. I feel good about myself. Good. Yeah, I feel good. Good. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been playing tennis? Uh, well, I started with Wimbledon. I did a tennis movie. Yes. And then I started again. Like I ran into, I ran into um, a friend of mine, old friend of mine, and she was at the. I I work out there, and she plays tennis there. And I was like, Oh, you started playing tennis? And she's like, Yeah, come have a lesson with me. So it's only been a few weeks now, but I love it. It's so fun. What does it all mean? And that goes right back into the universe. God, please. Yeah. Can we stop? Yeah. How long? How much time do you are you done shooting Fargo? I imagine. Yeah, oh, we stopped that mid-May. You know this idea of of doing essentially like a one season miniseries is such a brilliant idea because it I feel like it part of the thing that scares particularly film actors from getting involved in a television series is that when you you know normally it's like oh you potentially sign on for seven years of your life that scares me and no one like most people are that's a very scary thing to do yeah that's why i'm like okay i'll do a 10 episode thing but yes to sign on for i i I wouldn't be opposed to doing a tv show but it would have to be something that like makes me so happy the concept and everything that i wouldn't mind Spending and I wouldn't also. I'd want it to be like an ensemble, so it's not just because it is a lot of TV. Is so it's such hard hard work. Like my friend Lizzie Kaplan, she's on Masters of. Oh yeah, she's great. She's exhausted. Like she goes into a like I don't see her or talk to her. She just like it's such hard work. So it is because your your hours are long and you have to stay focused the whole time. And the night before, you're just learning your shit for the next day. It's like it's a never ending thing. Like there's no reprieve. I feel like with that. And then when you talk to people who are on that schedule, and you go, "Oh, I saw this episode where you did this," they go, "Oh, really? I don't remember that." (laughs) You know, because they're so they're just so in the mode of just like getting through through every day. I mean, is that? I don't even know if there's a way to prepare. If there's a an acting school or something, or even I don't know if there's a way to even prepare people for that. I don't think there. I mean, I know she got a lot of B twelve shots, and <laughs> I think at a certain mo- point, your mind just goes into autopilot, and like you become this acting machine. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't know. Like. I was happy. I know I'm not in one of the episodes of Fargo. And I was like, oh, my God. Thank God. Two weeks <laughs> off? Two weeks Are you off? kidding me? <laughs> like, this is amazing. Because it did feel like I was cramming for a test a lot of time. And the way you prepare and work with this lady who I work with, it's very intense process. So, like, every episode I was doing all this work for, like, each episode. I could only have, let's say, three scenes in it. But the amount of work I put into it is like doing a little movie every time. Sure. So that was – a lot. I was like, how do you do this with people who are on a show consistently? And she's like, well, we have different ways of doing it, but 
Yeah, it's that's a lot. It's a lot more work than doing a film, I think. What are your favorite types of characters to play? What, is there anything? Do, do you do you gravitate towards something, or is it just a project by project basis? I think for me, it's director based. Like I, you know, the same script in another director's hands, I would never do. You know, sure. So, like, I got to work with Jeff Nichols, who did Mud and Take Shelter, who's mm-hmm. an amazing director. I love his films, but you know, it it was a not that it's a small role. It's important, but it's it's. I, I knew that I just wanted to work with him, you know, and I knew that he would make something special. So for me, I just want to be a part of things that people think are good pieces of art. You know what I mean? Like I want to be a part of good things that last, you know, and I'd rather not make money. I'd rather, you know, wait a year to work again. Like I waited a year until I did Fargo. So I'd rather just, you know, <laughs> play tennis, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what I actually I really liked Marie Antoinette. Yeah, because every everything was sh- the movie was like a series of paintings. It's beautiful, and and it felt so I don't know. It just it it's felt like, like being absorbed into this world. Yeah, and that's what Sophia does so well. She's just like an emotional. She, she gets the emotion emotion out of it, but it is like seeing something so beautiful that you haven't seen before because she you know because of what what her vision is and she's such a special director in that way um but even like doing melancholia like you know i didn't know that movie would turn out to be so special either and and it's nice to think okay and like i don't know 20 years or whatever that might be a film that i did that people ha- have to watch in film school you know what i mean right. or like virgin suicides or or eternal sunshine like it's i've always tried to pick things that have the potential to to live on you know, so what is because you did a lot of really good fucking movies. Like, yeah, what is well, it about? I have what, good taste. I know <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Is, is that really? I mean, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's just like a gut. It's a gut feeling. It's a gut feeling, but you're either like, you know, you either like, you you can tell, okay, this is gonna be crap, or not. like, you know, what has the potential to possibly be good, you know, and I you know, take but... chances, but like, you know, I've done plenty of crappy movies too, but and. It, you really it, it it boils down to taste in my opinion completely but you just don't know you read a script and every you know like no one goes into a movie and be like guys let's make a piece of shit <laughs> like uh you half acid uh, who gives a shit about the lighting i mean like everyone right. everyone comes together you know the orchestration and it really is an orchestration. Yeah. There's so many different sections that really need to align. But that's why I'm director driven because I'd rather have the crappiest script and know that this I know this director's work is amazing because you can turn anything. You can make anything good, I think. Like if you're a great director. I really believe that. Yeah. Are it's you, it's like all all about the director to me. Are you in are you in the movie you're directing? No. Mm-mm. I wouldn't do that to myself. That's a lot of work. That feels like a lot of work. Yeah. And it's also, I hate when I watch movies actors direct and they put themselves in. The, it just feels like <laughs> it's so ego. Like, I don't know. It's so, I'm not into it. It is equivalent to, uh, and this is something I used to do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, not that. It's equivalent uh, to going to karaoke a lot and just doing a song you know you're good at. You know what I mean? Like putting yourself in a movie, like I'm gonna highlight the best parts of my face oh and my performance. God. You know what I mean? It's such a it feels like kind of a I don't think I could judge myself though, honestly, fairly, like acting wise. I don't think I could do that. Like edit myself. I don't think I could do that. Do you like sitting in an edit room? I mean, 
it's like it gets really dark, you know. And you're like, <laughs> I don't know. I always felt like I've done two shorts, and I don't know. You like go outside for a second. You're like, what? You're like, just, what day is it? Know, so, like, emerge you know, like a mole person. Well, because you can sit there for hours, and you get in this hole, and you're just eating crap. And it's like writing. You just get in this hole. Like me and my friend, we didn't get out of robes for like days. And we're just oh, thank God for Postmates. It's like we've ingested Taco Bell. Del Taco, pizza, in and out. It's like, what else crap can we put in our bodies? It's, no, it's disgusting, actually, the food, the amount of food we ate during writing and, like, the choices we made. But that's what you do. It's just you got to. It's just, like, Postmates it is, you know? Do you schedule? That's why I'm trying to be healthy. I oh. balance it out. I'm not like this. Well, you're drinking something green, which equals health. Yeah. No, I mean, what are you like, talking about? You rolling here in a tennis outfit <laughs> drinking a green drink. You seem like the healthiest person. Because for the last two weeks, I've been eating, like, crap writing with my friend. That's why. Because I have to balance it back out again. I've... Yeah, you I, know, it was just we had an array of like Parmesan, ranch, ketchup, <laughs> Del Scorcho sauce, like, you know, the, the, it was like and we just had a platter of your options of whatever you wanted to squeeze on, you know, whatever quesadilla. But we did learn Del Taco quesadillas are delicious to eat in the oven. They really get like a pastry kind of. quality. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, actually, no, I, a lot of the things we had were good heated up in the oven again, which is. The older you get, you really realize how what you put in your body has a dramatic effect on your emotional state, Mm -hmm. like what you put in your body regularly. And you do, you know, I feel like if, you know, I would say to anyone, if you're kind of getting to a place where you're feeling bad and you start having these large existential crises, stop for a second and go, am I under stress? Am I eating a lot of shit? Yeah. Have I been sedentary? And if the answer is yes, all those go, maybe I shouldn't tackle life at the moment. Yeah. You know, like yeah. maybe I should try to put some healthier things. Because when you do, you really, it you, really does affect, you know, your state. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I would, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was, it gets, it gets funny at our house. I mean, we didn't wash our hair. It was just, we lived in our robes for a while. That's pretty writing. cool, though. It is. It's great. But then you, yeah, you need to like eat a salad or something you know? <laughs> and then your body's like what is this yeah exactly yeah uh, it's amazing how you can you know you talk, you mentioned before about being adaptive your body will literally adapt to anything yeah anything and you know you could be eating sugar all the time but then if you stop it's, it's hard to stop but if you stop for like a month and go back to it it's such a weird – like your body doesn't like it anymore. You almost reject it. Well, I had to do a – I did a movie with my girlfriends, Laura and Kate. They have this fashion line called Rodarte and it was their first movie. They wrote and directed and after Fargo, I had eaten like crap in Calgary. I was just eating like cheese and bread in different forms and I didn't care because Peggy's not – she's a Midwestern girl. I wanted her to look a little meat and potatoes anyway. But it's freezing outside. I Patrick Wilson's going for runs. I'm like, I can't. I'm sorry. Like, there's no gym inside. Showboat. I'm not going running. Well, but he looks so beautiful, and that's why he yeah. like runs every day. Sure. Yeah. And like here I am with Jesse, and we're like, Plemons. And we're like, oh, do you have a frozen pizza in your house? Because I don't. I ran out. Like, so <laughs> that's the difference. So that's why Jesse and I look like the out of shape couple, and he looks like a golden god. Um, but. But then after that, the, my girlfriends put me on this diet and I went to a nutritionist and I they delivered me food every day and I didn't have dress. I mean, I literally just ate vegetables and salads and these special health shakes. For I was so miserable because I was just done with Fargo and then 
I wanted to take a break and then I had to prepare for this role and my month of preparation was like not eating anything that I like to eat and I was so miserable but it's interesting what you said about the sugar thing and everything because I even having a bite of something normal like a potato chip was the saltiest thing I'd ever put in my mouth because when you take a break from all of that it's weird how much your body's affected by like all of it I, I had to give up coffee I had to give up everything it was it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> Are you a coffee drinker? I think it's worse than being pregnant because at least it, when you're pregnant, you can like have coffee. You can have things. Right. Like this was like nothing, nothing. It was like everything was so boring. I remember once they made me a brown rice pasta and I was like, licking the plate. Because, <laughs> I was so excited that there was like any thing kind of flavor of pasta at all. I was yeah. That's so funny yeah. that your brain was like, oh, that's, oh, that's oh, supposed to be. I just had blueberries for snacks and things. like. It was so depressing. Like, no salted on, you know, nothing. Did like, you feel better, though? You know, people would be like, your skin looks really good. I'm like, yeah, because I've basically not put anything toxic in my body in two weeks. <laughs> that's why it looks so good. But I'm miserable. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like over time, though, you you would have, you know, because I think your brain does do a, a thing at a certain point where you're like, well, you, you can't be unhappy all the time, so I feel like your brain just goes, okay, I guess I just like this now. I guess I'll just like this now. I don't know. I don't know. Like, no ketchup. Like, no th- nothing. Not even condiments to make... Wait, no ketchup? <laughs> oh, well, you know that. what I mean? Like, n- not even a condiment. Like, nothing. Oh, wow. I feel like Bragg's is the only thing you can put on anything that's amino acids thing. <laughs> Bra- you know Bragg's, I mean? uh, uh, Like, I know now all these diety things like stevia drops to make your coffee sweet in case you want something sweet and like dandelion powder to make coffee and like, obviously, I'm back on coffee again. Like, as soon as I was done with this, I was like, no, I'm drinking coffee. But, yeah, I have I had a lot of dietary restrictions. It wasn't fun. <laughs> and my mom makes big Sunday dinners every Sunday, so I would sit there and everyone would be eating and drinking whatever they wanted. And like, I remember once, I think it was the Super Bowl, and I was like, oh, just, oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't the Super Bowl. It was something. She had chips and onion dip out, and I was like, fuck this. I'm having one. I was like, <laughs> like, like three chips and onion dip, and I was like, I'm breaking the rules. But I just, I was so angry <laughs> that I had to do it. <laughs> but it seems like it worked out okay. Coffee, you I No, it did. I looked better in that movie, so there you go. And was your first cup? Coffee. Was your first cup of coffee back like just? Uh... No, it wasn't. It. I don't know. No, it wasn't actually. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. I started drinking coffee again on the movie because I was just like, I need to actually do the scenes too. So yeah, I can't be like tired because I'm not. Eating you want your anything. brain to shut down? Yeah. No. No. So with everything that you did with Fargo and then this film that you're writing and direct co-writing and directing, what is it that you ultimately want? Like, what is? What do you want to? What do you want the, to show the world? What's important to you? Hmm. I think I mean I just want to be a part of good things that people like. You know what I mean? That's yeah. all I want. You know, I just you work really hard on something, and you just want people to love it. You know, that's all. That's all you can ask for with that stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I the movie that I have coming out next year, I've seen. I think it's really good. I feel like people really like it. It's a original sci fi movie. That's really cool. Yeah, it's great. Have you seen Take Shelter? No, I haven't it's, seen it. You would love it. It's really good. That's this director who did Mud, too. All right. He's he's special, that director. All right. I will, I will base yeah. on your recommendation. I it, will watch it. It makes it, it like Midnight Special, it's called. It makes me feel like it's, uh, it feels like an old Amblin movie. Oh, really? Yeah, it does. It's it's cool. Oh, that's good. It's got a little bit of Close Encounters vibe to it. It's really good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Are, are you a sci-fi fan? I mean, good sci-fi, yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. I'm not, but I'm not a, I don't know. 
You, know? you don't know everything? No, I don't. Yeah, because, you know, sci-fi and horror are tricky genres because yeah. they're genres that can blow up and be, like, you know, for not a lot of money can blow up. So as a result, particularly in horror, it's so flooded with a lot of not great things of people just trying to gra- do a cash grab. Yeah. So when you find a really good one, it's a big deal. Oh, no, I know. The, the one I did with my girlfriends this summer has a horror element to it for sure. And like one of my favorite movies and one of the best independent films is is um uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you yes. know. It's just it is. And that's like one of the first indie and it's so beautiful to watch. It's like one of the prettiest movies too. So I'm into horror, good horror, but but um I'm not like I don't know every new horror movie or anything. But like do you that. think you do you think these are genres that you would want to direct in? Do you want to do you want to horror? tackle them? My first short film was like a horror movie. It was a, a ghost story with Winona Ryder. So, but it was yeah, it was I, I'm into that stuff. Yeah. Uh, do you think that a director's job should be to? find one thing and try to explore that over and over again or do you think it's better to i'm gonna try a little bit of this and a little bit of this and then a little bit of that i mean that's like real talent to be able to do all that i think i i mean somebody like it's like ang lee somebody who's done that like you're like he directed that and that and that like he's he can he's genre you know what i mean yeah. but i i think that's pretty hard to, to do i don't think many directors do that we could we run howard was on the podcast about three hours ago oh really and it was the same kind of thing where you i mean i know the stuff he's directed but then you forget some of them and you're like oh he did cocoon oh right he, oh he did parenthood like and right. you go through yeah. and holy shit yeah he's yeah incredible yeah and and but you know just so you know you said a very similar thing that he said which was about not trying to control too much of the experience and just kind of go, oh, you start here and you kind of let it be. And you and mm-hmm. that's why I feel like I would make a terrible director because I just don't – being able to let go in that way. But like as an actor, that's what you have to do. So I feel like because he grew up doing that too, I think that that makes you a different type of director probably. I guess so. You, yeah. you, you seem more attuned to how to communicate with actors and how to get, how to get what you want and, you know. And, and have you even thought about – like, do you think about that, about how to communicate with people? Do you do you think how to get, like, if you need something? I don't think I'm good at that, actually. <laughs> I'm not good at, like, yeah, I don't think I'm good at that, actually. I, I think I can explain what I want in the scene. But also, I want their input. I want their help, too. So it's, I know what the vibe and the tone should be, but you have to be delicate in the, how you ask an actor for that, too. Because people sure. can get very easily, like, offended or shut down. Sure. So you kind of get to know their style, I think, when you're working with them. And then you either just let let them alone, know that their third takes, they're where they have it, and, like, let them explore. So I'm not a big – I don't think I'll be a big note giver. Yeah. Unless something's really wrong. What you want to do is right after a scene, you want to knock <clears throat> the camera out of the way and go, why are you trying to fuck me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, you, what, do you, what do you need? You know, just, like, get in their face and really – Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to make anyone cry or anything like that. That's not my method. No, no, but it is like you're, you know, you're right. You do have to dance around the sort of de- – because they're really putting themselves on the line and that's attached to their egos and that's attached to their insecurities. And how do you navigate that minefield, yeah. especially if you're empathetic to it because you know what yours are and you know what would be. You know what I, what I always do if someone wants to – I'm like I'm not ready to be talked to yet. Like if anyone wants to give me a note – like I know because I know myself and I, I just like – I'm not a big – I don't like a lot of notes because I already know what I need to get done. You know what I mean? And right. if I haven't communicated that, then I fail on that. You know, So I already kind of like 
I know I should know my character better than anyone else, I think. So especially with something with like Fargo, you get a different director every two weeks. Right. So that was weird too. We, and and some some days, one day I had three different directors oh, wow. in one day. So I didn't at first I really did not like that. And then I got to know each one better and better and it was it, it I got adapted to that style, but Oh yeah, cuz you're constantly having to recalibrate yeah. the relationship that you're clicking into. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like it'd be a good crash course and just seeing as many directors as possible and yeah. seeing, seeing how people work. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I, I, I really uh, – I, I will be excited to hear what this project is that you I know, know. when you're able to I'll announce I'll tell you it. when the mic's off. Okay. But when, when, will you, when will you guys be able to – I guess like we got to get financing together and hopefully – I don't know. They always like to do that stuff around film festivals, I feel like. So maybe around Sundance they will or something. Nice. Yeah. And then in general, as we're kind of winding down – uh, what do you like? To, what's fun? What's fun for you? What do you like to do? That's fun. Me, I mean, my best friend has a one-year-old. Yeah. So I just hang at their house, have some wine, watch some Nashville. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not, not much. <laughs> like I, my life is at their house mostly now because they're my, you know, she's my best friend. So I just hang out with her after work. <laughs> um, but in the day, I mean, I've just been writing and like, I'm always like reading something or, you know trying to figure out what I want to do next. So a lot of reading and meetings and that kind of stuff. Now tennis. Now tennis. What kind of a tennis player are you? I mean, in terms of... I'm okay. I mean, not not in terms of skill level. I mean, like, how do you... How do you approach the game and do you feel like there are things about your personality that you will discover by playing a competitive... You know, it's funny with tennis because you start to learn something and then you have to, like, totally... Today I actually had this new method in my head where I'd sing to myself with the ball and the racket so I'd get it in tune better, <laughs> which clicked in something new today. So it just kind of like it slowly clicks new things for you, but the less effort you put into it is the, the you know, is the best way to do it. But I'm still learning. Like I'm not, you know, out there playing tons of games or anything right now. Right. Yeah. It's good though. It's good to get outside and take advantage of our beautiful our, weather. Our wonderful Southern California weather. <laughs> Which, you know, everyone shits on Los Angeles. I don't. Like, I love it. I I'm do like, too. it's great. It is great. I love it. It's, it's beautiful a, it's out. Already, I love it. It's already winter in other parts of the country. <laughs> I know. You know, like, I'm looking outside. There's like three clouds. It's great. I yeah, love it. I'm not good. mad at. I'm not mad at our weather at all. I'm not. A, I'm not either. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you, Los Angeles weather. Me too. And, uh, I, I, you know, honestly, anytime you want to come back on, please feel free. Thank you. Come back on and, uh, and congratulations, everything. And Fargo is Monday nights at 10. Yeah. On FX. Yeah. God, dude. I pitched a show to FX not that long ago. Yeah. And just looking at all of the shows in there, it's, I know, it's amazing. unbelievable like, how many good shows Lou, they've made. I know. Sons of Anarchy, Louie, like, I don't know. Yeah, Sons of Anarchy and Louie and The Shield and right. Justified. And, I mean, it's a lot. Just, and Fargo. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're good. That, and, and they're all so nice, too. They took us out to dinner recently and all the big heads, everyone's like, a really kind person. Like, it was a very nice environment. You know, no one, everyone was very proud to be working on something and so humble about it, but yet, like, running a kick-ass channel, too, you know? Well, I think in in order to attract the level (laughs) of people that they're attracting to work there, that's probably very important. Yeah, and creatively, they let people do what they want to do. Yeah. They really do. Because Fargo, I think one of the things that a show like Fargo has is, 
you know, when I see the entire cast, I go, well, there's a million other things that cast could be doing. And for some reason, they decided that this is how they wanted to, that this is something that they wanted to work on. Like, they're there because they chose to be. And that kind of makes it, spe- that makes it a little more special. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, the first season was so good that w- I was like, okay, this is going to be, there's already an, a well-oiled machine in place. So yeah. we would really have to be bad to totally screw it all up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it doesn't yeah. sound like that's the case. No, Noah Hawley. You should interview Noah. You would love talking to him, actually. All right. He's so, so, so smart and really cool. He lives in Austin, but he's in L.A. a lot, too. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Austin, uh, the, 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 the the tiny little, the, the burgeoning entertainment, you know, Robert Rodriguez's whole operation is down I there. I know. Fantastic Fest is down there. Like, it really is a, it's a, it's a hotbed of... Activity I'm right gonna now. go next year for South by Southwest for the movie that I did with Jeff Nichols because he lives in Austin too. So, oh, that's yeah. awesome! Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And so does Jesse Plemons, who is in Far. He has he's Austin Valley guy. Oh too. shit! Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it, it, at a certain point, you know, Austin's gonna. There's gonna be a tipping point. There is. I agree, <laughs> but it's great for now. But you know, the great thing is, is that you don't really have to live anywhere specific. And be able to do this stuff. No, I mean, I live in L.A. because that's where my friends and family are. But if they didn't live in L.A., I definitely wouldn't spend all my time here. For sure not. I would live wherever they lived, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Are there other t- cities that you like? Um, I I like – I I actually really like Austin. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think – I like Nashville, but I don't know if I'd want to live there. Um, Austin has been one of my favorite cities in the U.S., have you ever been to Bloomington, Indiana? No. Okay. Oh, it, you know what? I love Athens, Georgia, actually. Athens is great. I love Athens. I would I could live in Athens too. I could also I've heard Asheville, North Carolina is great too. You know what it is? There's a formula. Yeah. Uh and the formula is this. In most places when you have the state school, there's generally a cool artistic community around it. So Nashville, you oh not a state school, but a large college. So yeah. in Nashville, you have Vanderbilt. You have University of Texas in Austin, and in Asheville, you have a, co- a big college. Bloomington, you have the University right. of Indiana, and Athens too. And it yeah. just sort of it sort of infuses the culture with with like budding creativity. And yeah, you get the cool young bands coming through. Like it's a yeah, it yeah. keeps it the food good, and but a com- sense of community still, and it's, it's those are smaller towns. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. So then you're going to do your crazy tour, your college town tour. Yeah. <laughs> when you're doing your school play, and I'll, br- I'll bring the school play on the road. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, just do something weird. Maybe I will. All right. Good. Uh, Kirsten, thank you so much for being. Thanks for having the podcast. me. Enjoy your burrito, Thanks, everyone. Chris. <laughs> Enjoy your burrito. So, yeah, that's how we end the podcast. <laughs> Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura. No murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us. In Pura, we promise to keep you safe. They killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pura.
The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now ad-free on Wondery+. Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.